to Doxed, the podcast. Yeah, but that's for the best, I think, because it does feel like a new shift in everything that's been happening, at least personally, which is like, like having to constantly have new information to process about it feels like that's finally slowing down, which is like a huge relief to me. Yes, I agree. And I really hope that it stays that way. You know, I think that after the first break, what was she gone like about like a month, a month and a half? or something like that um and then she came roaring and clawing back I hope that she can exercise the self-discipline that she brags that she has that she she (laughs) wants to be done and she will be done because um we all have lives to live and uh, contrary to what Allie believes nobody likes stopping you know working towards their goals and taking care of themselves and you know doing the things that they like to do to focus on somebody who is haranguing them. Like nobody likes to do that. So no, I totally agree with you. (laughs) She acts like, like she constantly says how none of us have content besides her, but that's just obviously, obviously not true because we all were here before her. Like, obviously we want to get back to other things nobody wants to talk about this anymore it's just that it's so like stressful and terrifying all the time that's why people sure sure and I think like yeah we all have our own points of views we all have our own stories and we all have our own interests and like we're allowed to talk about a jarring wild experience that we've all kind of shared in this collective especially if it's continually going on you know what I mean? Like, I just think like yeah. the the fact is they want to be the last people standing on the rock and they want the, res- they want the right to like make all the, the calls and all the shots. And they certainly can for themselves, but they're never going to control me and they're not going to control anybody else. I, it looks like in this situation. Yeah. So if other people want to share or talk or, you know, uh, process in whatever ways that they want to, because you, you know, working through trauma isn't just like a one day experience (laughs) no exactly (laughs) june 2nd i think was the day of that all those lives that was like an entire day of live marathon and that wasn't that far away from now like it's not like we've refused to put this down for six months it was happening this month still and the very day that she decides to go quiet is not the same day everyone is done processing all the trauma and the fallout of what she decided to do so yeah, it's like not, it feels like, oh, we're talking about this forever, but it's like, of course, people are still processing trauma from the situation. It was traumatizing. <laughs> it was, and it was sustained trauma, you know, like it was, it escalated, it got physical, it got scary, you know, and when I say it got physical for me, because like I, she can, she contacted people that have physically hurt me in my property on my property and hurt my property in the past and that live very close to me that I had to get PPOs against. So that's physical. That's a physical threat. And I don't take my safety lightly. I don't take my children's safety lightly. I don't take the health of my business lightly. And um, the fact that she thinks that she gets to control how this goes, she's like not a thought to me aside from how she's impacted me and how I can help other people process and how I can process and move through. She's not going to be the thing that stops me. I've had bigger and badder alleys in my past, and I'm sure you guys have too. Um, But that doesn't mean that we can't process together and, you know, learn from this experience because uh, there's been a lot of uh, (laughs) opportunities for growth, I guess. (laughs) 
opportunities for growth. That's a, that's a nice way to say it. So opportunities for growth through the alley situation. Yeah, but I think you're right. She's just like, I mean, I wonder if she'll start to get tempted to come back. Like, and again, this is like Roxy's not even on yet, so we can just chat. But I, but I wonder if she'll be tempted to come back just because nobody's doing anything with it anymore and it probably will feel weird to her to like not be the center of everyone's attention and the reason she's not is just because she's not actively hurting people right now so I wonder if she'll start doing that again just because of that but maybe you I think so I think so I think that you know she wants to cause me pain she's said that so many times more times than I can count and I think that anytime I know she still looks at even my new TikTok I know she looks at it and to be honest, I think she's contacted my high school and some other, like, which was in that cult um, church environment. That's the, mm-hmm. I graduated from a church high school, very small school, a very small, like, pool of individuals that were actively involved in covering up my childhood sexual assaults. Like, just like a very bad, you know, corner of my life that I have had to just, like, sever ties with because it, the, the, toxicity is so systemic and everybody's so like in a cult like on the same page and they'll protect abusers until their dying breath um there's just no change that can happen there so i had to leave and i had to start over and um you know i had um ex-boyfriends from that church that were looking at my um new tiktok page which i don't post from i don't put that on my instagram really i don't put that I, I am not active on Facebook like so I wonder if she had reached out because my ex-boyfriend's sister runs is like the principal of that school now and she was also looking yeah. at my TikTok page so I have a feeling it's not over as much as I would like it to be over I just know Ali wants to like control the narrative and to control how people see me because she can't control me and I just know that like that's not a coincidence like they I, I have not spoke to those people in decades like so it's just I don't know you know I, I I'm not letting it control my life I'm not letting it control my thoughts but it is just kind of in the back of my head that like I'm sure we'll hear from Allie again <laughs> I'm sure that we will too and I just feel like she's gonna crop up at a really annoying time like I bet she will take the summer off and then I bet in the fall she'll come back and she'll Probably she'll be on a huge, you know, uh, bitch on wheels energy about if anything doesn't pan out with the legal stuff, like if she doesn't end up getting arrested, which is kind of one of my big fears, like, because the fact that she stood up there and she was like, see, the cops told me I didn't do anything wrong. No, what they told you was stop contacting and harassing someone, but we just can't arrest you based on what you did. So like, that's not the same thing as you didn't do anything wrong. And I'm worried she's going to get up there again if she doesn't end up getting arrested and just be like, you know, it's because I did nothing wrong and these people are terrible and just have all this fuel under her in the future. And that is really scary to think about. It is. And I think that, you know, it's not that she did nothing wrong. It's that we live in a patriarchal society that allows men to abuse women up to the point of killing them. And she identifies with the misogyny of abuse and um, stalking and Uh, emotional abuse and so she hides behind the rules that were made for men like it's not that she did nothing morally wrong it's not that she is even really innocent it's that if the if we had to lock up every abusive male in the country there'd be none left on the street so (laughs) 
<laughs> like, let's be serious. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not that you're innocent, Allie. It's that, unfortunately, we've socially accepted that women can be clobbered in day-to-day life. And um, that's just an acceptable loss. <laughs> like, it's not. And I don't think things will continue to be like that. I think that we're moving in positive directions every day. And, I, and I, that's what my hope is for the situation. Like, there isn't a lot of laws or really even awareness around this kind of cyberbullying or cyber stalking. And I hope that there are laws that are put into place because of, you know, us reporting this diligently and, you know, bringing this on to like people's like plates and agendas and awarenesses, because I just feel like what the heck it's, it's just unacceptable to me that like no one knew what to do with the harassment element of this situation. Yeah. Nobody had any, any, no official legal plan in place or any sort of like law enforcement to be able to turn to really that could take you seriously. Um, yeah, I hope there will be change too. I want to also, I don't know if you can see on your device, but Roxy just joined us. So we, now we can kind of officially start okay. in. and we haven't yet Roxy. So we just were t- sort of informal. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm doing surgery prep. So it's brutal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, owl no. prep is this Fun. okay is this okay for you is this where you, huh? you want to be to be <laughs> so, so oh, yeah it's fine it's fine it, it's post-surgery that I'm worried about doing interviews I'm going to be super out of it but today's just like fasting and drinking copious amounts of Miralax so fun oh, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious that sounds like a nightmare I'm so sorry it is yep <laughs> oh the worst well I hope that this like makes your life better though by the time you're done I hope that like you have no more pain and you have peace of mind and everything goes really smooth thank you thank you I'm still kind of like coping with the it's a big decision to get your reproductive organs removed so it really is but I'm really proud of you for doing what's best for you I think that's really awesome thank you thank you and I you know, I've been dealing with this since about February <laughs> with all the alley drama. And oh, oh, there's such a good community around like kind of young hysterectomy. I'm, I'm not like super young. I'm 30. I'll be 37 this year. But I was so terrified to talk about it or tell anyone about it because I'm like, Ali is going to absolutely like make fun of me or say something awful about me, like ever being a mother or something. Like any kind of anything that you're going through, if Allie finds out about it, she just absolutely terrorizes you with it. Yeah, she sure does. And I think that that's a valid fear. Um, It's such a like vulnerable time, even just like energetically, like if I'm like going through any health issues or my kids are, I'm always very careful about posting about it or asking for help because I feel like I believe in evil eye. I believe in negative energy. And I just, you know, it's it's hard to know who to share that with. Like, and if, mm-hmm. you know, if they'll send you positive vibes or if they'll say horrible, stupid things that'll make you mad. <laughs> yeah. And Allie's like literally the queen of that. Oh, my God. It's so true. Oh, my goodness. I've never met anyone <laughs> that like is more, I guess, like shameless <laughs> about just saying the worst possible thing you could say. To anyone. <laughs> to anyone. And she's like, she says it with her whole chest. She's a terrible demon person. I'll edit this out. 
I shouldn't so, say she's a terrible demon. I, don't know, I would say that she's was my fault. I would say riddled with entities. <laughs> yeah, riddled with entities. Yeah. Reeking of entities, demonic entities. <laughs> I think that that's just at this point what it is. I yeah. mean, but I, I do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I, she might not like to, you know, somebody's going to run back to her with that sound bite. So yeah. is it worth it? I don't know. You know that's what we think, but. Um, I, I, I think it's been interesting about like as far as like Ali like trying to get me to like say what I think about her like when I first started interacting with Ali like she wanted me to call her a narcissist because I I was doing a channel centered around like uh, what to do if you are like encountering a narcissist how to handle narcissistic abuse how to get out like and, and I, again I'm by no means a professional but as somebody who was raised in a narcissistic social structure and a narcissistic family structure, and as really the first person to fully um, leave, you know, my family structure and that like religion, I, I like to offer what I can. And I know that she kept she kept saying like, oh, what do you really think of me? What do you really think of me? And it's like, I don't have to tell you. I can just think it. <laughs> Because she wanted to like attack me, I feel yeah, with like whatever whatever it was I was willing to say about her. I know she was gonna take that out of my mouth and turn it around and say it about me anyway. So I'm not gonna give her my words to weaponize against me when they don't even apply. Like, and I saw her doing that with so many people. Like, you would make a comment and she would see that comment, and all of a sudden that would be in her like vernacular yeah. or the, a word. Mm -hmm. Or she just parrots people, and it's just like mm, I don't want to give her <laughs> yeah, any you're language. Totally right. You're totally right. And she totally does. Like, I have also never seen anybody that will that directly and almost efficiently try to seek out and destroy and find the very thing that will most hurt you. And most of like your very deepest trauma, she can possibly even guess at and then throw it in your face. I've never seen anybody so willing to do that with no pretense, just like what could possibly destroy you? Let me try it. It's wild to watch. Well, oh, it's also I, kind I, of a projection too, because she, you, you can tell that she's trying to find the thing that'll absolutely hurt you, but really it's the thing that if you did it would absolutely cut her to the core. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I mean, I, I watched her, like the more that somebody like talks about what kind of person they are. Like that's a huge red flag for narcissism. If somebody's always like, I'm such a good person. I would never lie. I would never steal. I would never abuse a child. I would never abuse a woman. Those are all serious red flags. And I'm so glad I'm not in the dating pool. But like, if I were to re-enter the dating pool, like I have like hard stops of like things in like friendships and even in like business situations that now I'm just like, oh, hard stop gotta go because it just like only a certain type of person feels the need to parrot and narrate like the kind of person that they are or sorry not parrot mm -hmm. but like narrate the type of person that they are and it's usually somebody who is none of those things that's so interesting mm -hmm. I would never have known that myself like even like I know that that's a thing she does but I uh, now I'll not I'll now I'll listen for it that's so interesting mm -hmm. also yeah. people really heavily judge the hard stop from outside looking in yes. and that was one of the biggest judgments that I was getting after I had shared that after Ali was being completely psychotic with me on the phone the day that 
I ended the friendship with her. They're like, it's so, it's so sus that Roxy just was best friends with her yesterday and like not friends with her anymore. First of all, we weren't best friends. And yeah, when you end a friendship, like it ends, like what is the slow burn of an end that people (laughs) expect when you're in abusive situations? Oh, I totally agree. And I wonder if it's like an autistic thing because I have the mantra of like, if something's dead or dying, like finish it with a sword. Like I don't let things go on because I don't have the time for it. And I frankly just like, I don't like lukewarm relationships or dynamics. I like things to be hot, cold, alive. And and maybe mm-hmm. that's some black and white thinking. Um, but I, I think it served me. I've never cut off anybody that I like was like, wow, did I do the right thing? It's always made like, true to me and obvious to me as time has gone on that I absolutely made the right choice and I think we just live in a codependent mm-hmm. society where people just like like think with their like animal brains and they they feel like they have to like group together and pack together and like tolerate a lot of abuse and toxicity it's like babe we have electricity we have grocery stores we're not hunters or gatherers like we can think <laughs> with our evolved brains like we can say no <laughs> Well, it might be black and white thinking, but I think also for me, specifically with Allie, it was pattern recognition. I've had friends like her before where you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to be walking on eggshells with this person for the entirety of her friendship. Like they are asserting that they are the dominant one. They're asserting that they're in control of the tone and the boundaries and how this friendship's going to unfold and it's not going to be good for me. I'm going to, I'm going to nip this in the butt now. And yeah. people thought that was so weird. I think, I think they're weird. I think that's brilliant. And life's too short. Life is too short to be, or you will be used for labor or you will be used for resources, mind for resources, or mm-hmm. um, the situation that works for a lot of people who are holistic or have a little bit of the, the old PD that they'll keep you around to bully you. And to mm-hmm. have somebody to pet down on. And um, I, I, have, I experienced that so much throughout my life, but I didn't realize it until I, I was diagnosed. And I was like looking back and reviewing all of my relationships. And I literally just had, I've suffered many ego deaths in my life, but I think that was the most painful ego death to realize that I was nothing to these people who were everything to me. Mm-hmm. And I was around for cooking, cleaning, care tasks. I was used, I was good enough to be in the background of their play, behind the scenes, running around, making everything work and turning on the lights and turning on the music. But I was never going to be welcomed out onto that stage with them and their real friends. That was a jarring experience, but it was, I'm so grateful that I was able to get my diagnosis when I did, um, because it's really just changed the way I um, approach relationships and people in general. I think neurotypical society teaches us, especially if you're perceived as a woman or identify as a woman, that no matter what situation you're in, you're kind of obligated to just make it work and tough it out and bootstrap it no matter how you're being treated. And it's like once you start choosing yourself and stop harming yourself in that way by betraying yourself to make other people happy... People wonder what's wrong with you when you start taking care of yourself and stop choosing harm. People are like, hmm, 
she has a tude. What's going on with her? Like, no, I'm just taking care of myself now. But think about what that means for society, because like women are shock absorbers. We are the ones that choose to suffer so that other people can lead lavish existences. And I'm talking about men mostly. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. so when we say enough, people start freaking out because what does that mean? What does that mean? If we're just not going to put up with any breadcrumbs that we're given, um, I think it's an intimidating prospect. Accepting that you deserve more makes people Mm -hmm. feel shame and um, lots of deep things. So, I mean, I, I, I want to create a different world. I really, I, I can appreciate and move through the world that we have, but I have great hope for the world that's coming. Um, for the children, I am not raising my children for this world. I am not raising two boys to be takers and enslavers of women and other children and other people groups. They are taking care of themselves. They're learning emotional labor. They're learning emotional regulation. That takes so much more effort. Um, mm-hmm. And because of the emotional effort that I expend, that's and it's constantly reinforced every time I'm like in groups with other boys. And I see my children and then I see some others. Now, now I think parents, millennial parents in general and uh, Z parents are doing better um, as a whole. Um, But, you know, there's still these like old mindsets around we treat girls and boys different and Mm -hmm. um, we, we groom them and we raise them to be takers and givers. And I'm not doing that. That does not fly in my household. That does not fly in my relationships. Um, so, I mean, it, when you're weeding people out and you're weeding out situations that don't serve you, there is a gap where things feel not that you're like worried about getting rid of people, but you don't know what's coming next, but better comes. And, Mm -hmm. um, when you, when you set your expectations high, the right people will meet those expectations. And and it just, you have to keep betting on yourself (laughs) that like, I deserve more and Mm -hmm. I will get more whether it's out of my relationship because I give a lot I give a lot to the people in my life and I drop anything for the people in my life so um yeah like I'm going to have that expectation that I'm going to be a priority uh to the people who I allow into my home and allow into my life and I think that's really great I think that we all need to be doing that so I think that good for you for doing that and expecting more yeah, good for you for raising boys in this world. And like, I think <laughs> that's a very important position to be in yeah. right now because- It hurts, I'm it hurts. I'm a girl's girl. I love my feminine things. I love my feminine environments. And I sometimes just go to my room and I weep. Not that I'm like miserable in my life, uh, but that like it is, I miss I miss a feminine environment. And I was joking with Brian. I'm like, you know, I think I might just get a little studio in the city where I can just go and have all my, you know, my lit candles and my pretty flowers and just she said because it is like with my sensory stuff it's 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 mostly sensory autistic issues I'm realizing that now but sometimes I just weep because I pick up sticky things and I've had it just that's one too many sticky things and mm. one too many dirty stinky shoes and I'm just like oh, I, I think so one of the most <laughs> One of the most girls, girls thing you can do is like raise emotionally intelligent boys. That's yeah. my thought too. <laughs> I love the way you said that because I don't want like somebody's daughter or son coming to me someday and be like, wow, thanks for checking out on the mom duties, lady. Now mm-hmm. I have to raise your son for you. This is great. 
Like that is like my biggest fear in life is that I will do a bad job with my sons and somebody's daughter will suffer because of my choices. <laughs> I don't want that for anyone. Me. I am that daughter. Oh my God. I'm that daughter. <laughs> the amount of times I've entered into a serious relationship with a man, like we moved in together and I realized this person doesn't know how to do laundry. Yeah. This person doesn't know how to wash a pan. Like I can't tell you how many clean pans I felt were like the handle was greasy or like the bottom of the pan was greasy because they only oh. wiped out the inside. I know that's like painfully specific, but it's like, how are you in your late 20s, early 30s and not knowing how to do any domestic labor? And it's because they've depend they've gone from depending on mommy to depending on girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend to take care of them the whole time. It's so true. And so many people in general just do not have home training. And as somebody who grew up in a narcissistic family where like one of the hallmarks of a covert narcissistic mother is that they set you up for failure by not doing, okay, by not protecting you, by not teaching you how to clean up after yourself or how to clean your teeth or how to brush your hair. My mother was like in the esthetician environment. So our personal grooming habits were always, and I think because they, those are public facing and people will judge you if your children look like they're not kept. Mm -hmm. um, she took care of that element. But as far as like education, as far as forms, paperwork, cooking, cleaning, organizing, anything that requires making a plan in your brain and then like making sure you enforce it and, and get through it and accomplish that task. Um, no clue on how to do that. I had to learn that myself through self-development. And thankfully, we live in an information age where I can find TikToks on how to clean a bathtub properly. Or, But the thing is, if we can figure that out, they can figure that out too. And um, I, I, that's why with like my friends and my partners, having a growth mindset is so important because there's really no excuse for ignorance anymore. Um, mm -hmm. certainly not for raising John Alpha to be ignorant. There's no excuses. Like you should know how that you have to clean the outside of your pants. That's a part of hygiene. That's a part of making sure that you have, and you deserve having clean plates and utensils and pans to eat out of. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this is what we all should be learning. I, I believe. Oh, my God. Women's work is never done ever. It doesn't seem like it. I feel like we're just like, <laughs> Speaking about labor. <laughs> no, that's, it seems like very re highly relevant to the conversation though, because your children were unfortunately wrapped up into the whole situation in a really unfair and probably absolutely terrifying way for, to hear you talk about how you're raising them. And then to hear what Allie seems to think counts as good parenting is just like mind blowing and highly disturbing. It is. And I think like before you're a parent, like I certainly had very strict judgments about like what I would let my kids do, what I would never let my kids do, you know, like, and uh, like, that's normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as a parent, if you're raising evolved, enlightened kids, which, which usually like involves letting them be themselves and then just repeating processes of like pair and, and showing them how to do things instead of like making an egg. I'm going to invite my child in and break down the process of like, okay, these are the things that we need to make an egg. This is the next step. This is the next step. This is where we put our shells. This is what we have to be careful of. Flames, sharp knives, corners. And some people have a lot of judgment for that. And, and that's their own problem, I believe, because children are brilliant. 
children are so curious and they're so I feel like they're like little gods and they're our tiny teachers. And I love hearing my children talk and watching the way they interact. I think that our systems and our and our abusive governments and schools and family styles break them down and make them like us. And I don't think that's a positive thing. So yeah, the labor of like a conscious style of parenting is a different I, I like I don't know what like what word to call it. Like it's a different task, I guess. Um, and I had to walk away several times because um, this is not the first person that has ridiculed or mocked the fact that I don't abuse my or, well. Th- that calls it abuse when they see children being treated well or assumes the worst about me because they don't know what they're looking at. Wow. And. Um, it's it's interesting. <laughs> it was an interesting experience. That's so upsetting that people can't just can't just allow the space for you to parent in that way. It's disturbing. Well, it makes people uncomfortable because I think people have to then think about the way that they were treated as a child and they have to they they do they say whatever they have to say oh well i was beat and i turned out fine or mm. i wasn't coddled like the things that people look at as spoiling blow my mind because i'm like okay me showing my child emotional empathy and like taking time out of what i'm doing to get down on their level and connect with them if they feel hurt that seems natural to me that's what i wish somebody would have done with me no one ever did that with me and you know what that caused in me? Um, I ignored my own hunger cues. I would go 20 hours without peeing because I was so disconnected from my body. And I felt so much shame around just doing what I needed to do uh, that I would not even register what I needed. It took me a decade to figure out what I like, to figure out what my body needed from me. And uh, by then I was in a whole career of that, that basically... Um, expected that you would go all day without eating and expected that you would allow other people to touch you inappropriately and you shouldn't say anything about it or just to hear people say disgusting things like in a misogynistic environment and just go with the flow like my work life mirrored my home life growing up and I had to reassess that whole situation um, and learn a lot because it worked for a lot of people when I was just attuned to everyone around me and completely disconnected internally. And I think when they see you attuning to children, it's even more triggering. We're talking about like standing up for yourself and setting your standards high as a a woman or femme presenting person. When you do it with children, it enrages people because Mm -hmm. I feel like children are the most oppressed group in the world today. And it's acceptable to treat children like houseplants or like pets that can talk. You run across that a lot more than what I ever thought. Like, I I did not realize how pervasive, like, basically emotional neglect and child abuse was until I had children and refused to partake in that dynamic. And um, I do have a group of of, of parents that are very like-minded, and we bounce a lot of, like, our struggles or issues, like, off of each other and encourage one another, but we don't have a ton of free time for anything really for ourselves because it's such an all consuming job. Like a lot of my, one of my friends chose to take her her son out of public school, not only because he was so gifted and she wanted him to learn organically and not be exhausted Mm -hmm. um, by the school system, but she didn't like the way other boys would play. She didn't like the way 
Um, he's not particularly athletic. He's more cerebral. So people would judge him and mock him. And, and, and she was just like, no, like, I don't want him internalizing any of these negative ideas. And I'm going to pull him out and I'm going to, I'm going to protect him and his greatness in that way. The effort that she took on her own back, it was huge because she's not like homeschooling him and phoning it in. She is, they're going to museums. They're going, you know, they're, they're reading, they are writing. He's three grades ahead of the grade he was in when he was in the public school. That's because his mother loved him enough to stop everything in her life and pour into him for his future. And I just think I have so much respect and awe for people who are like that as a child who was so neglected growing up. I just think good for them. And God bless these children. Like, I'm so excited to see what they'll do. And, and when, when, when they have these problems, they will have the tools and the self-understanding and the regulation skills to actually tackle what is a scary world? Mm, yeah, I agree with you that um, that kids are kids are wildly emotionally intelligent nowadays, and I think it's funny to see the people that because I've also worked in environments with children as like a nanny, as a uh, in schools, and to see which people who are in charge of children, and I would say young adults, like up to like college age. The people who are in charge of them who are reacting to that by saying, oh, kids nowadays are lazy. Kids nowadays don't respect authority. <laughs> kids nowadays oh. don't understand how to be respectful. You know, those people that react that way, it's fun. It's just funny to note who is reacting to them that way, because to me, they they impress me all the time that I spend with kids with their resilience and their emotional intelligence and it's different than it was when I was growing up I think I don't know if it was about the parenting or if it was about some level of like evolvement of the species or something but it's just like a different light in their eyes I think and I think it does have to do with the number of parents that are treating them like human beings so yeah I, I think going forward it's very important to nurture all of that and it's really exciting again it is like a full-time job and it requires I think not just a partner, but like community styles of parenting and raising kids. And that's something I would love to participate in someday if I ever had the honor to, but it's, I don't, I I'm scared to partner with a man to have kids because I don't trust them to mm -hmm. be able to be an equal partner and create a situation. And I mean, it sounds like Brian sounds like an amazing person and partner from everything I've heard about him from you uh, and from his own words uh talking about this situation having been on the the thing the podcast before but that seems like a very rare find it seems like a rare thing and uh i i hope you're right about expecting that you you're going to get what you need and people are going to meet you there and actually finding it it's a great example to set and it's a really it's a really scary world to think that that's just not out there because and to think that you would have to shoulder that entire burden of raising somebody into a, if, you know, a thriving human being who can contribute to the world actually and think for themselves. Scary to think about having to do that alone because it is just like a totally full-time job and then the huge amount of, you're breaking your own generational curses while also lifting them up to be able to be break even more and having the humility to be a part of that chain. I mean, that's just like, that's yeah. So I really respect that. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really sad to hear that Allie's not the first person or the last person I'm sure who has had judgment for that. 
so yeah, I'm sure. so sorry about it's, that. It's crazy. Allie is absolutely fucking insane. The way she goes after mothers yeah. and brings up people's children and parenting, yeah. like I can't even wrap my brain around how infuriating that must be as such a conscious mom as you are. And Jubilee too. Like Jubilee, yeah. it's very and Michelle. And Michelle. Yes, absolutely. And I and I venture to guess all of them and also sweet venom. All of the parents that she's attacked are literally saints to me because I know the labor and how it never like ending it is not just the physical labor, but the emotional labor, the -hmm. inner excavation that you have to do surrounding your own triggers. Like it is when I, when I hit the pillow at night, I fall right to sleep. It's it's an exhausting job. Well-raised human beings do not fall out of the sky. And Mm -hmm. truly it does take a village, but when you don't have a village, you are doing 13 different jobs at all times. And I hope that my children, I know that I will be happy if my sons decide to procreate to live in their home or buy a home close by so that I will not just dip on the job of grandma that is so, so necessary. (laughs) At least like, you know, grandparents, we, we do have grandparents on Brian's side that are wonderful and that are so great about planning intentional calls and time and trips and they are our world we love them so much they set great examples for us and for our children I don't have that on my side I have I have people that 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 consider themselves to be uh family uh that ride or die for each other um but I would look at that as enmeshment I see a lot of toxicity I see a lot of covering bad behavior sweeping abuse under the rug that is not the way we treat each other in my home um, we talk about things very openly. We try to be calm. We try. We try, and sometimes we have to start again and and uh, make our apologies and you know uh, kind of like lick our wounds and, and do some reflection. But I'm not afraid of my children seeing me do that. I think if I had seen my mother apologize to me, it would have healed so much of the pain that I had to keep recreating in cycles from the time I was about 14 until I was 28. Um, I was making choices that would hurt me because I normalized that love was never saying you're sorry. And that made me kind of toxic in a lot of ways because I would do things and I would just move on because that's what I saw growing up. Um, and it made me, you know, a partner that was probably not very, um, validating or, um, like empathetic or kind, I guess, in certain ways, if somebody was going through something, I would drop everything to help them with actions, because that's what my narcissistic, my covert narcissistic mother demanded, perfection, actions, service. So that's how I would communicate my, uh, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) and that didn't work. Um, once I started to heal and look at myself, I was like, I wouldn't like that. So I can't do that to my kids. I can't, it doesn't matter who it is. If I screwed up, I need to be able to own that. Um, people deserve to hear that if they've been hurt by me. And that's what was so weird about the Allie situation because it was like, Allie, I don't think that, um, I don't know. I, I'm not sorry for the way that I, I acted. I feel like I acted within my values and I did, I protected the people that I'm called to protect. Um, I, I don't think that abusive people, deserve my protection. Um, so, but I mean, I, I apologize for the situation being what it is. Like, I feel like 
maybe um, maybe the trademarks caused more calamity for others, and that was, certainly was not my intention. Um, I think that that fueled her in a way um, to to keep attacking, and I have to own that. Like that that was that was what I did. Um, but I also felt like in the time I was just so horrified. It looked like she was just ripping through people's lives and putting people in really bad spots. And I was like, I have to do it. Like, I have to do she it. was, <laughs> I don't think you did anything wrong. I mean, I can't speak for everybody in the situation and I'm sure some people do wish it had died out in January and never continued, but you know, also what you, the choices you made were in a whole a- atmosphere of a lot of different things going on. I think they were perfectly logical. You couldn't have known how things would spin out from there. And I don't fault you at all. I think it was the right thing to do because frankly, I don't think she would have stopped at this point because I was not about to be accused of the whole death thing and leave that lie, even whether she was going to stop talking about it or not. I was not going to. And so that was going to keep spinning out in some way. And unfortunately, there was a lot of blowback on your and I mean, certain people got in front of the line of fire in ways they might not have otherwise, but she regardless, she she would have moved on to other people, she would have hurt other people. And she, she isn't even on line anymore, as far as I know, right now, which again, is, um, we were talking about at the top, which we might cut out, but, uh, you know, she, she probably will come back at some point. But she has been severely diminished in her capacity to hurt people. And especially the fact that, I mean, I do want us to get to, excuse me, I do want us to get to talking about how things escalated since the last time that we had you on the podcast, Carrie Ann, because I know a lot happened, but at the same time, then the cops followed up and said, stop that, stop harassing Carrie Ann's family. And so at the yeah. end of the day, what is she even, she's kind of been de like, she's kind of defanged at this point. I wonder she's what you defanged. Yes. Um, well, and the cops were horrified. Like the Erie police, like when we spoke with them, they were jarred by what they were hearing. 3 a.m. calls, um, incessant calls, walls of text, threats, calling abusive people. Um, my mother and my brother were particularly, um, it was a, a process to to um, take my final steps back. I, I would consider our relationship to be deeply estranged. Um, we went from doing a lot with each other, um, seeing each other regularly weekly, to over time, once my children started being abused by them, pulling back, um, weird situations that happened that we had witnessed. And we believe our children. We believe, I don't believe that a child has the capability to lie or be manipulative. That part of their brain isn't even developed to have the four like thought to plan. I think like once they're hit seven or eight, it might be a little bit of a different story, but at three and four, five, even, um, I don't believe children can really lie. And my children were coming back with some very concerning reports about their stays with my mother um, and their stays with my brother. And at that point, I was like, no more alone time. Like, and I watched my children like a hawk. And then I was like, what does it mean for me to keep bringing my children in situations where I have to watch them like this? Like, this is not something I want to normalize. This is kind of like antithetical to my belief system. So um, it went down to um, me and Brian will participate in like adult activities when 
people have babies or when people have weddings. And it's funny said that they my mother wasn't talking to me my mother had just called um she's been calling me incessantly this entire time and sometimes I'll respond and sometimes I don't depending on the bandwidth that I have in the in that moment um I had just thrown a shower a wedding shower a very expensive wedding shower for and his new bride in July um and of course like as a hallmark of a holistic like toxic family everyone was smiling everybody was posing for i have photo proof on my company's instagram on my instagram but that has just happened so to see the events and like the nature of the relationship be rewritten to suit what was a, 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 a propaganda spreading attempt was pretty disgusting to me um i literally just spent thousands of dollars and um, hours of labor I was good enough for that. And um, no one had said anything to me in the moment. No one had approached me. Everyone was friendly. And then this. So it, it was very hurtful. And uh, I, I expected, I had kind of a premonition that it was coming. And I kind of had myself a little prepared. But hearing it, um, hearing the conversations, it was like traumatic to to hear the lies. Essentially, there were lies. So my brother had worked for me shortly. He had been fired from Costco. He's had a, a hard time holding down jobs his whole life. He has a little bit of undiagnosed ADHD, I suspect, but I think there's some other things at play there. And, um, you know, he had just been fired and it was just off of like the heels of me having a very uh, traumatic uh, interaction with a, with an employee that was, uh, she trashed our truck. And we like to pay a living wage. Like we, uh, by the time it's said and done, like people who work on our truck make $25 an hour. We're very principled on like donating money to climate initiatives to offset our carbon footprint. Like we're not just out here unconsciously doing things. And so I find that like with the standards that come with that or the, I guess like the close like monitoring of whether, you know, I'm a chef. I, I have high expectations for, for cleanliness and for a lot of things. And some people just do not respond well to a woman telling them or suggesting to them or like modifying it with it's just the thing it's just it's it's something I've experienced in every kitchen that I've worked in some very weird reactions from the men around me who did not have a culinary education or did not want to take orders from a woman I've always had like that pushback but it was very unique to have this um situation with my brother where like he would not want to listen to anything that I said I was shocked that he was so um just rude and rebellious and how he, I saw the the first real signs of contempt then him you know pocket watching and making weird comments and um it, it it grew I think that it festered and um he was not somebody that was going to come to me and say things to my face unless he was mocking me for something or trying to knock me down a couple pegs but he's very happy to do it behind my back are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. 
and for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Which is why I just kind of walked away from that whole circle because I just found the way that they interacted with each other to be very, very toxic and not something that I wanted to participate in anymore. He had always kind of sided with my exes. I think my ex-husband and him, they go to the same churches and they're tight. They took camping trips after I had left him. Um, And I didn't expect the relationship to just end, but I did expect that, you know, there's billions of people in the world. Why do you need to be close to somebody that, you know, was hotly in pursuit of me for two years? (laughs) But, you know, it didn't it didn't matter, I guess, enough to really talk about at length. It's just something I peeped and kept it moving. But um, now that I know what I know, looking back and it's just like, wow, you hated me. (laughs) You really hated any mod. You hated that men didn't consume me. You hated that men did not end me. And um, it that level of misogyny, it still brings tears to my eyes that that exists. Well, I'm sorry you had to confront it in such a such a public way, too. Like, that's kind of a uniquely terrible situation. I can't I remember just thinking, like, why would anybody take that call from Allie and sit there and talk about anything really like to some stranger. But now like that's some kind of karma or something that that then got blasted publicly. Cause I think your, your brother didn't want it to be public. Right. And it was just like no. pretty embarrassing for that. For that. I, no, and I, I think that Brian, Brian had made the comment because Brian has now realized that they have put him in a lot of compromising situations as a minority as well. Mm. And um, that that was likely intentional. Uh, And so we've been able to unpack that together from our own different vantage points and our own different oppression points. And that's been really good for our bond and really healthy to have that understanding of my family and the ways that they do not want to be seen. My family delights in putting forth this front that they are these Christian benevolent people who just I'm just this like crazy person that just can't get along with anybody and it's just like the scapegoat story right like I see the problems in the family structure I see how nobody is happy when they get together and everyone talks about everybody and nobody claps for each other and everyone's in competition and it's fine to have that be the reality it is not fine to point that out And I really see some similarities with Allie as well. Allie was very content to behave in abusive ways. But if you labeled or gave language to the abuse, then everything was turned on its head. And it it was very familiar to me. And it didn't, it it hurt. It hurt. And it's hard for me to admit that. But it did hurt a lot. It makes perfect sense to me how that dynamic between Allie and your brother kind of panned out because they've noticed plethora of things that are absolutely toxic and wrong with Allie. But I think one of the main things that sticks out to me is how deeply and toxically misogynistic she is. And to she has this like weird kind of damselly fawn response initially around men, any man, any Mm -hmm. man on the planet. Allie's a pick me bitch for yes, me. Yep. <laughs> and hearing you describe your brother, it's like, of course he loved that. Like t- the typical man will love a woman that presents like Allie, how she does initially with the man. Like, oh, men are everything. And men are just 
if only a man would pick me like you yeah. i'm sure a man can like smell that on her at first before the crazy comes out yes and i think she can hold it together for a certain period of time because um I, I certainly got that vibe from talking to the police after they had spoken to her and her father together. Um, we have been reporting. We were told to report every single time she contacted us um, because I had told her, stop contacting me immediately. Stop contacting me. That has been the line for months. Mm -hmm. And every time she would contact me, my lawyer was like, call the police. And this is very awkward to me because I don't like calling the police and the truth is like our society has a certain like acceptable measure of abuse that we've all I guess just like as far as like the law goes accepted that women should be able to put up with from men and mm -hmm. I think that Ali hid behind the misogyny in our codes and laws that say oh well if you beat on women you might go to jail overnight, but you're probably going to be fine. I mean, that level of abuse, like this emotional abuse that Ali has engaged in, um, that has walked a very careful line, is permitted by, like, the abuse we allow, like, men to <laughs> participate in. So I think Ali knows that. I think she's a very keen sense of what she can get away with and how she can extract things from people. And my brother absolutely loves to think of women probably because it makes him feel like, I mean, I see him do it with my mother. I see him talk to women in a way where he can get what he wants and he is comfortable with putting women who maybe outrank him in career and in earning and in accomplishments. It puts them down a, a, a couple pegs and that makes him comfortable. I've seen him do that with women that are strong around me, uh, um, that are disarmed by his charm. You know, he's a vet. He's good looking. He looks like Bradley Cooper. And he can be a charmer. And when Ali said, your brother is wonderful, I said, he can seem that way because he can. And, I, and maybe there, maybe that's in him. Um, but my experience is there's something very dark underneath. And I think the same about Ali. I think that people can pass, you know, masked for a long time. And I think it's ironic that Ali talked about masks because I'm sitting here like, oh, okay. <laughs> like you're telling on yourself, girly pop. Like seriously. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably a little rude. But at this point, I'm, no. I'm, all, out of, I'm all out of care um, for Ali. He called um, you much worse than girly pop. Let's girly pop is the least, the Let's least. Let's be real right now. It's a little <laughs> condescending, but okay. I, I, I accept uh. what you're saying. I agree. And she then hearing her talk to my mother, I think she's looking different. And I think at the same time, she was trying to feel out for a soft underbelly for me. I think that she kept trying with different people because what she ultimately wanted was for me to give those trademarks to her. She says that they're her trademarks. They are not. They're mine. I bought them. And I think that it's very funny that she was like trying different techniques. So with my brother, she was like, he's so wonderful. He's great. You're the abuser. I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. With my mother, she's like, yeah, Carrie Ann, you're right. Your mother's a religious narcissist. But notice that she is no longer talking to men. She's talking to women. And she feels very comfortable degrading, judging, criticizing yeah. women. And, and hilariously enough, I feel very comfortable doing that to women, too. So I that conversation was kind of riveting to me. <laughs> to you're totally her. right. <laughs> the way that she treated your mom, I just realized as you said that, but the way she treated your mom was so different than the way she I mean she she I heard all those things to Brian and she was mostly saying like 
do you know that Carrie Ann's a terrible bitch or whatever? But she wasn't like insulting Brian. She was like insulting your mother to her face and yelling mm-hmm. at your mother, like in a way that I just don't feel like she did with any of the of the men, even the ones that she disagreed with. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. I totally, I, I wasn't shocked by that, but it was an interesting uh, situation to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely stomach churning, blood curdling, like the cringe that I felt like I felt like it was turning inside out. I was cringing so hard listening to her yell and scream at your mom. Like I cannot yeah. imagine anyone doing anything even remotely close to that to my mom. Like I would, this is going to be a sound bite. I would be murderous if someone <laughs> called my mom and talked to my mom like that. Yeah, it, it was sick. I mean, but the thing is I told my mom about Allie before my mom took that call because I had a feeling I just had a feeling that there would be lots of people I have people that have I know it sounds so like stupid but like preying on my downfall when I, when you leave a cult that is freaking real like the fact that I left a cult where it was customary for women to have 13 children to not cut their hair to wear skirts to their ankles to cover their heads in church and never speak in church to never have any autonomy financially or with their bodies, um, to leave and to uh, not even technically marry, but to be engaged and have like uh, children with a brown man, it it made a lot of people upset. And then for him to treat me well, to treat me better than any of these evangelical white men have ever treated me. And I've never, I've never been broken up with. I've never had a man like discard me in a way that was like painful, but I've had them like treat me like crap for a very long period of time in the ways of expecting me to labor for them for free and to do it forever and to do it happily. And um, when I had you know, started my relationship with Brian and my life didn't get worse and I wasn't homeless. I mean, my mom had said to me when I divorced my husband, she's like, I hope you suffer so that God can bring you back to him because you are out here oh my God. mocking God, mocking God. And my brothers felt the same way. So I think that they are angry that I found my autonomy and that I didn't wind up in a ditch. And um, then to live in a sustained way where my life is, I mean, I certainly have challenging moments caring for children but my life is leagues better above my previous life and above the lives of the women who I know are still in those structures and I think that it's scary for them to think about me being an example which is why they they work so hard to discredit me the first time I met my my brother's um fiance now wife um I could tell he had already filled her head with so many stories she treated me like I had some kind of disease And that's on purpose. The patriarchy does not like liberated women. The patriarchy hates women who are out here. I gained 40 pounds. Like my body changed. I went from being chronically anorexic and being 100 pounds to, you know, a healthier body size. And to them, that looks like failing. But it's also scary because it shows that I accept myself and I don't judge myself by the standards that they brainwash me with. And, um, yeah, I think that that's what my brother hates about me. And I think that a lot of them are waiting for an opportunity to be to strip community from me to discredit me. So people would think that I was this monster and I shouldn't be listened to to take away any kind of soapbox or platform. 
they, they, I know they have discredited me to their groups. Um, when I was even just catering for showers, the first time I had been back in my hometown in years and, uh, the eyes that were watching me, the, the, I had my evil eye jewelry on. Cause I was like, Ooh, return to sender, like to return to sender. I just felt it. It was thick in the air. It was everywhere. And it's because the truth is my existence points out the lie that they're living and that they're suffering for nothing. They're suffering in indentured servitude and uh, like horrible positions their whole lives. And it doesn't mean anything really, mm -hmm. according to me. I mean, like they're doing it for men that don't even love them. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what scares them. It scares them that I exist. Just like it scares him that gay people exist. It, just like every time they come into my neighborhood, I live in an openly gay, brown, black neighborhood. We live in a very diverse area. I could buy a bigger, better house. I don't. I don't want my children growing up in the freaking white suburbs. I mean, I want them to live in a vibrant, tight, like city experience because this is the world we live in. I don't want to raise them in these little like corners of the world where that are basically like falsely represent the world that they live in. And when my family came in, they're like, wow, you live in the ghetto. This is disgusting. And like, they made comments to my neighbors and like, they're just very, they're just not the people that I would want to be getting, seeking the approval of. And I don't seek their approval. And I think that's why they're, that's why they're mad. And that's why they bonded. So I think that that was a very good observation. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then it's ridiculous that they did, you know, knowing that entire context and then just seeing the complete atrocity of her standing up there and being like, Oh, I, I know all these, I have all this stuff against Carrie. No, you look like a complete, you're just horrible. Like, you're she brags about well. knowing people's trauma and like oh the things i could say about this person and oh, that person but i'm i'm not a bad person so i'm not going to do that like why are you dangling people's trauma over their heads like and then people cheer her on with it it's absolutely disgusting it's really the worst thing i've ever watched in my life and like it just shows how shame-based ali is because First of all, a lot of the things she said were wrong. Like my brother, exactly. he has a high school education. The guy's not, I'm sorry, he's not the brightest guy around. And um, I, I, and he saw what, what turned out to be write-offs, which I hate to burst his bubble, but guess what? Your mother also does write-offs. Your uncles, everybody that you admire, Donald Trump, he's obsessed with Donald Trump. Everybody that you admire writes things off. But when I do it, it's tax fraud. It's evasion. It's all these things that he doesn't even know what those words mean. I mean, and Donald Trump has definitely done tax fraud, so. Hardcore, <laughs> hard tax fraud. And it's fine for Donald Trump as a white man. But if I just, like, take what is owed to me and work within the confines of the law to maximize my gains, problem. And I, I don't know how much of that he actually understood or how much of that he was just maliciously spreading around. But it's very she targeted mothers so hard she devalues women and then she finds herself in situations with deeply misogynistic and racist individuals around her because how could you i mean i i look at the people who are clapping for her at this point and i am just like i i've never really had anything for any of her followers like i've not really engaged with them a couple of them have apologized to me and i've been very thankful for that and i've certainly received that but yeah i just it, it says a lot that they're clapping for this it says a lot it's deeply disgusting i've gotten a handful of apologies from 
alley people over time. And at this point, I don't know what's what, what's real, what's sincere, because I feel like the early on apology tours were all just plays to get in closer with each of us or try to pit us against each other when the group was I guess a little more splintered because it was early on and I feel like time revealed a lot about each of us and like now we have this like little community that's wonderful mm-hmm. but the apology tours were a trip for me because so many people approached me in private messages and left me just the longest dm apologies just to then talk shit about me with other people and tell my friends that I couldn't be trusted like days later and then come back and check on me say oh Rox are you okay are you doing my love like the situation has really (laughs) made me like see people differently and what I've learned what's been consistently true the entire time is time reveals everything you need to know about everybody Yes. Let time tell your story because it always does. It always does. And that was the one thing I totally understand like where you're coming from. Cause I had the same situations, probably with the same people. It was a very like tactical organized assault. I would call it um, what we experienced because people were not what they said they were, you know, a lot of Ali's followers like recanted and then switched sides and hopped the fence back and forth. And it's just about following power. When Allie was defanged, all of a sudden, they didn't want to be out here doing her bidding without 500,000 people to be doing it with. When you're Mm -hmm. out here busting people's windows in a group, it feels empowering. But when you're doing it by yourself, it feels like a crime. And I think like, it's like, I think that that's kind of what they were doing. They, 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 that's why they want their, their faces and their material removed from YouTube. Because the truth is they know the heavy penalties that they will pay for acting this way. And I don't feel like the way I've acted, I've had Ali try to reach out to people. And, and now the people who are in my life that like are on the level and are compassionate and are racist and homophobic and misogynistic, like they are horrified by what Ali, about the thought of her reaching out. The people who are in my old life uh, love that. And I think that it's the same for her followers. They're just, they are exactly like her in a lot of those ways. They They think the end justifies the means. They think that, you know, okay, well, if, if we if we get to strong arm people onto our side into thinking and groupthink and to parroting our own bullshit back to us and brainwashing themselves and, and other people, then it's worth it. And it's like, no. Yeah, it's it's really mind boggling how Ali will turn anything against you. Like, for example, uh, I, I'm pretty sure she had found me on Reddit. And was like trying to talk shit to me on Reddit. And I just responded, dumb bitch, period. Like I was like, I'm so done. I'm so over it. And of course that was screenshot and put in her Instagram stories. And she was like, see, look how Roxy is. How dare you dehumanize people? How well, everybody else this is 10 okay? times worse. Yeah, 10 times right? worse. Like hours and hours on YouTube live calling everyone the C word. Like every name in the book. Get like wow several several c-words we were were like dill holes and dill fuck too that's the other one i think she's constantly taking the temperature of her audience and of the perception of her and i think it was fully in ali's design to make it look like we were attacking her so i think that that's why she would like 
put out, like, Jubilee hit the nail on the head several times where she was like, oh, I can't say bitch. I can't call them bitches. And it's like everybody that knows you in this situation and the proximity of your abuse knows that's nothing for you. But she's 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 changing that narrative for the people who are not attached to the situation. She's targeting them. She's trying to uh, connect with them and make them feel empathy for her. She's actually very good at that as an influencer. She knows how to talk to her audience. And so I think she was fully, I mean, most, the most abusive things she did and said to me didn't make it up on her screen, but she, she, she showed just enough to make it look like she was Mm -hmm. being authentic and transparent. It was highly manipulative, highly manipulative. So yes, it's confusing for us because we know the real her, but she had a whole gimmick and uh, she wasn't letting everybody know what she was actually doing and who she actually was and why people were mad at her in the first place. She called my school. She called my mom. And she said, she's done so many illegal things. And no, I didn't. And it's just like, but but she got what she wanted. And I think for Allie, her mantra is the end justifies the means and I'll lie about it anyway. So <laughs> I don't think I've been trying to understand the psychology behind the people, the choices that she's made in terms of the people that she's chosen to call. Like you're, you've gotten it the absolute worst. I don't understand why, because you've like, you've made it very clear. You're not playing games with her. Like you've taken the legal route. You have an attorney, like why she would choose to come after you so hard is wild to me. And you're like a moment. Attorneys. She had that moment where she like called Jubilee and they didn't end up on an actual call, but she made that attempt to call Jubilee and then like didn't follow through with it when Jubilee was like, yeah, sure, you can call me at this time. <laughs> of course, Jubilee's so- energy is like, I'm not afraid. And then she <laughs> called me, which I did not answer, but she called me back to back to back. Never called Jane. Never called like, I just wonder, like, what is going on in that little brain? Yeah, she never called me and I don't know... I guess we've talked about this before a little bit that she might've just been not willing to kind of go toe to toe with me on anything I would have wanted to keep the discussion to, which was mostly the lack of logic and what she was saying and the fact that she was a bully. (laughs) And I was pretty consistent about saying that. And I think she probably knew that first she knew that I would probably, I don't know if she knew I would record it, but I would have definitely recorded the conversation especially after she did it so many times to other people, I would have told her I was going to, and I would have done it. And then I would have, I would have talked to her about all of that. And I don't know, I guess she just wasn't willing to, she kept just saying that I was the only one who was too incompetent or too, too psychosed or something to have a rational. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, she called a time. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, she was uh, at first. I think she sorts people um, into a couple categories. I think she like, but I think even amongst women, I think people who she thinks of as her equal or her lowers, she'll talk to them. But I think when it comes to people who are like intellectually like have a, like a one up on her or can spot the the her that's in there through the manipulation through the facade she doesn't want to engage because she wants to put herself in situations where she wins and where she looks a certain way. And she reminds me so much of Donald Trump. It's not even funny. And I think that there were certain people that he wouldn't pick on either. 
Uh, or like he would just like try it and then be done. And I think with her, I think Jane intimidated Al, um, Allie a lot. I think Jubilee intimidated Allie a lot. Yeah. I think like both of them had extreme strengths with like either like a difficult person, how to deal with and manage and depersonalize and how to not get sucked into the chaos machine. And mm-hmm. I think that she doesn't want to go anywhere near either of them for those reasons. And she always thought- underestimated both of you, I think, which is so weird. Like she always assumed that you didn't have a real lawyer, Carrie Ann. And she yeah. always like looked, she always like was thinking that how she was going to use Roxy, I think, which is, was totally not, it was an underestimation of both of you, but weird. Mm-hmm. We Yeah, she, she, she underestimates people a lot. And even with, I, that episode about your book and like about the course, I, I was so glad you guys put that out there because it just shows how wishy-washy that whole group is and how it's not even rooted in anything real. It's all just like what Allie wants. And if Allie is all of a sudden not for a person, then her group members are not going to be for a person. And they really just like mirror her like delusions back to her. And um, yeah, I mean, Roxy's brilliant. And I think she was more than happy. Yeah, you are. I, I think that you're so accomplished. And, and I and I really um, could see Allie trying to use you to prop her up and to legitimize her in ways that she was not legitimate. And the second that that wasn't happening, that's what she attacked with you. The, the thing that made you and what would be an asset to her and what was a credit to you is what she went after. And she could not have been more wrong. And I mean, you can see it in everything that you put out. It's thoughtful. It's intelligent. It's organized. And it's it's classy. And I think like she that's why she attacked you in that way. And I think when it came, when it came to me, I don't know, she's had a lot of really weird things to say about me that have really made me feel like she's kind of a fan. And she's, she's a little she confused. Wants to wear your skin. And she's put on <laughs> like it's bizarre total fan energy yeah i think she's she's a little in love with me i'm not gonna lie i know that sounds smug and maybe no i see it's like a weird like she kind of wants to be you or something Mm -hmm. like take over your life she wants to like date brian like it's creepy and weird and serial killer energy very weird it's 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 giving giving hannibal lecter for sure (laughs) yes it's giving single white female and that's a movie i would encourage you to watch it because it does show like the psychology and like how this happens and the truth is like it wasn't until i didn't think that and i don't go around thinking that about people but if people start saying certain things i'm like my head slowly turns and i'm like oh one of those because i've had a few of those in my life and i'll tell you what it's weird she said flat out she's like i'm going to one of her lives she's like mm, i'm going to get plastic surgery to look like barry ann and then i'm going to change my name to be Carrie Ann, and I'm going to change Carrie Ann's name to Barry Wan. And it, it, she was like flexing, like she thought it was so yeah. funny. And I was like, not how any of that works. So she has like a childlike understanding of like how things are done. It was and the like, weirdest just, fantasy, very bizarre thing to put out there. She said that several times, several, yeah. several times. She said a couple things like that, but that was one of the weirdest, like, literally just like weird serial killer moment where she's like i want to wear barry ann's skin and change your name weekly like what is and then and then she mocks my fillers but it's like babe like i am a i am a modest 
filler getter. Like I, I could be crazy. I could, I could do a lot more than I do. I do like the bare minimum of filler. And I think that it's so funny that in the same breath, she'll be like, ah, her lips look like this. And she'll put on like the influencer, like uh filter uh, and like plays this character. And she's like, but I want to get fillers. And I'm just like, this is the weirdest Honestly, thing to watch. Okay. For one, you do not have to defend your fillers. Secondly, <laughs> she should look at her friends. Like, girl, look at some of your friends. <laughs> there is one in particular with filler. <laughs> Not to body shame anyone, but like, yeah, no, I mean, and I don't care. Get whatever you want. Like here, it's not like abnormal for people to get like a little work done. Like it's not like something anyone's really ashamed of. So it's very much reading and coding as like a little like pick that she was so fascinated with it that it was not a part of like things that she sees or experiences in her daily life. That was a tell and something I, I think that, Oh, hold on one second. Oh, voicemail. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, she's, she's made, and she did it with Jen as well with creative mm -hmm. Jen. And, um, then in the same breath with creative Jen, she's like, but you're, I can make fun of you because it's like punching up. You're like a Victoria's secret model. And to some degree. Yeah. Like she was a big creator. Like she had a lot bigger following than any of us. Or I guess like I, there, people have had like different followings in the past. Roxy had a bigger following in the past, but at that time she was one of the bigger creators and um, it was Natalie, her and, and Michelle, I think that were like the bigger creators involved mm -hmm. in the whole stake. And um, I, I could see where she was coming from or maybe it's like, okay, if you're punching up, it doesn't feel as bad, but it's still super disrespectful. Like It's still weird that you're commenting on people's bodies yeah. and faces in 2023. And, um, she, it was something that was a theme of this whole assault that she she did to several people many times. She did the same thing to me. She did like a parallel thing to me or used weirdly similar logic about the weight shaming thing because she was like, I can't possibly be fat phobic against you because what I'm saying is you look so much better now than you did before. And it's like, no, you're still being horrifically fat phobic and fat shaming. You're being mean. You're yeah. being mean. Like openly yeah. mean. And she doesn't, I don't know if she realized that or if she was just trying to cover it up. But I'm horrified that she did that. And then I love the the stuff that you put out with all the pictures of you're so beautiful. And the so beautiful. <laughs> just glowing and, and, in every picture at every size Aww. just fucking gorgeous and going nice. after your dreams and, and accomplishing things that you want to accomplish and creating a, a corner for yourself in the world like those are all amazing things and what Allie doesn't realize is like when you start something it's stressful and some things have to go when you whether it's starting a business or like getting your like higher education like for me my weight gain happened around the time that I had to start my own business because the stress was real. Like I, I, I was mm -hmm. like stress eating and I was doing different things to, to like cope with being autistic. Although I didn't know it at the time. And yeah, it was like a coping with, thing and had to totally do yeah. with my autism too. Yeah. For her to say that she's not fat phobic after doing one of the most fat phobic overtly fat phobic things I've ever seen and then tried to walk it back in the next video yes, like I couldn't help but notice as she's saying I'm not fat phobic do, do you all notice that she covers her belly with a pillow in every yeah. YouTube video every YouTube live Shame. like you're ashamed of your own body seriously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's sad like She's constantly like diminishing herself. And I hate it when women diminish themselves in front of me and I don't feed into it because it's like, that is such a patriarchal concept that was literally an oppression tactic to keep us hungry and 
flexible. And whereas normally it's our it's our instinct to fight and push back. We won't have that like instinct if we're starving. And that makes me want to eat extra. Because I'm like, babe, <laughs> I'm gonna fight. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. literally I'm like gonna a, fight. <laughs> I think they talk about it in the bite model. It's literally like part of what allows a cult to control you. Is yes. that sort of like weird starvation tactic thing keeping you thin? It's- Sleep deprivation, keeping them pregnant, keeping them busy, laboring constantly, keeping them hungry. And so, of course, she picked up on that because look what she was trying to build. And I think, like, I don't know. It just shows, like, how intentional she was about starting a cult. She did every single thing that she could to create a mob that she could then point and they would run and and do her bidding. And that's what she did. And that's why the trademarks were bought. I think that, um, yeah, I don't regret it. I think that now like we have we have criminal prospects. I'm not I'm not taking Ali on civilly because I don't want to. There's nothing to collect on. There's no benefit in it for me. Like I don't want Ali to be the center mm-hmm. of my world. I don't want to be her punisher. I think life is her punisher, and I think like truly, um, it will create more animosity than what I really want to take on. I think she's done so many highly illegal things, whether she wants to brand them as illegal or not is irrelevant. And the truth is the justice system is fickle. Like sometimes they let you go a long time doing a lot of small shit and all of a sudden you get whacked. And I think Mm -hmm. like I, I, as a citizen who, you know, like I, I don't like capitalism and I don't like our justice system, but it's what we have. And if I can use it for someone who promotes white supremacy and abuse and misogyny and who has personally come for my children and my relationship, although she was largely ineffective, um, I will do it because that's my right as a taxpaying citizen to use the structures that are around me while I try to make them better, while I try to disrupt them. But I'm going to use them for Allie. And so that's what's happening now. And she's largely full of crap. I didn't get a letter until very, very recently. At the time she said I had got my letter, I, I had not gotten a letter. And she said that even previously, that, oh, Carrie's heard from me. No, I hadn't. And the letter was uh, hilarious. Let the cease and desist of all things. Now, he probably, you know, used the term a demand letter, and she thought that that was, like, had more teeth. But essentially, our lawyers, who she never contacted, by the way, like, the, she called some poor guy in Colorado and like was like, are you representing Sam? Are you representing Carrie? And you can't help them commit crimes. And then just like serially, like like <laughs> like kept calling and calling and calling and calling, and um, harassed some poor innocent guy that really oh we had God. never hired. <laughs> just crazy, but par for the course. So well, I, I think, think um, I think yeah, she doesn't want to do even... this legal stuff either. Like you're obviously prepared to, and you don't want to, but you're prepared to if it comes to that. Allie is grasping at straws because I don't think she actually can go through the legal process not to talk about her finances because i don't know but i can with only what? imagine with what with what can't. money with what case with what <laughs> yeah i mean that's why she's like weaponizing right. uh well, police welfare checks and, and talking about is- people's kids and all of that right and i think that even the the law firm that she chose to use it i think it was like some kind of like a franchise that will like draft letters for you on the cheap and I, you know, she says that I didn't have a trademark lawyer. I did. There's a law firm full of people who specialize in a lot of things. And 
we had the proper people advising us both in Canada and in the United States. So I, I didn't need to brag about that, but I did let her know um, when I was giving her a chance mm-hmm. to back up all of her material. And I and I and I'm not gonna write TikTok on her behalf. I, like that was another thing she demanded that I write TikTok on her behalf, and I was like, absolutely not. That's not gonna happen because she she thinks. So again, she's a very childlike understanding of how things work, and I'm not saying that's bad, but at 35, not great. And um, I I think she thinks that if I magically write TikTok, that they will just release all these videos, or that I have them in some like vault. I'm sure they don't even have the content anymore. Like, could they possibly even still have the content saved? I think it's just gone. She couldn't possibly believe that TikTok would hold on to her precious videos for six months. Yeah. We probably have more of the videos than TikTok does at this point. For sure. (laughs) I I don't think TikTok has her content. I really don't. Especially given the fact of how much the platform has grown. Like, I, I don't think that's something they just keep can't imagine being an influencer and having that be your life and your work and not having it backed up i can't not yeah. imagine that it's so ridiculous it's such a ridiculous prospect to leave that up in the air just like it's a ridiculous prospect to be a bully and not have your trademarks so i don't mm-hmm. think that we're dealing with somebody and i'm not like calling her like stupid but i'm saying like we're dealing with somebody who just expects other people to clean up after her and to look out for her i think that's the dynamic in her household with her parents from what she has said i think that that is and she's she's like oh carrie ann's jealous because she'll never have what i have and i'm like babe i ran away from what you have like like the the the, the codependent enmeshment like sweeping Mm -hmm. everything under the rug protecting you from consequences been there and don't want it back and I think that her parents have enabled her to think that someone will always be there to slide a mattress under her bum and she's never going to hit the ground. That's how she moves mm-hmm. through the world. And um, I've been happy to show her that if you keep knocking on doors and spitting in people's faces, eventually you're going to knock on the wrong door. And eventually you're going to bully the wrong person and they're not going to just like wipe their face off and go inside. I'm going to like meet you outside. And uh, that's probably the most like aggressive thing I have said thus far. And at this point, she has made lots of suggestions saying she's going to pull up to Lansing. I've had to like renegotiate my security because these are threats. These are Mm -hmm. threats. And there are things that I fully expect to have happened. The Erie police was asking me, like, are you afraid of this? What, like, what exactly are you guys afraid of happening physically? To see like how they should act. And I told him, I said, I fully believe, even though it would be difficult for her, she has enough enablers and supporters that would help her facilitate her getting a couple of her licks back. And I think that that would look like a physical visit because she's threatened that several times. And the other thing yeah. she's threatened, she threatened physical fighting and she threatened, uh, she talked about breaking in your car windows, which is very specific. And then the whole thing about climbing in windows and stabbing people. Which again, we if it's projection, this. this is a plan that we're watching evolve. Just so you mm-hmm. know, and, and I hope Allie understands. She's not the first person to attack my property. If she thinks that there's this whole neighborhood isn't cammed out, it is, babe. So I wouldn't do that. But you know, everything's insured to the hilt. So do what you got to do. But uh, it's not going to touch me. She's not going to touch me because of the way I move through the world. And it, but it's not that she's not going to try. And I think she will be back. I think she will be back. And I think that she said flat out what her intentions are. I'm never going to let this go. You're going to rue the day that you met me. Still not the case. I mean, she's not a highlight in my life, but she hasn't derailed. I've kept living this entire time. 
I've kept going to the gym. I've kept working on my business. I kept raising my children, as has everybody else. But she has made Speaking, it difficult. Speaking of going to the gym, I remember seeing a, a clip of her talking about how she could, she believes that she would win in a physical fight with all of us. And I'm like, girl, you do not have any idea who you're dealing with and the rage and the repressed rage i mean think about it (laughs) like i just i don't know no like no no. one else is thinking about pulling up on anybody like that except for her right because i think that's how she legitimately thinks and she solved problems like that in the past like her record states that she has fought with police fought she has license plates she has practiced without a license. Basically, everything she's accused us of doing, she has been caught for doing herself. Yeah. So, and also, I'm like just, sitting in a cold tub is not a workout. No, um, no, it's a great <laughs> going to the spa every day pool, is but, not a workout. <laughs> but it's not, it's not building your muscle. And I mean, do what you got to no. do, you know. But I, I would, I would pick if I had to pick a side, I would pick our side all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although we're scattered all over the country, but even individually, mono all mono, I would pick us. But still, she, it is like, uh, and the other thing she said was that once she gets offline, she's going to be so much more dedicated and serious about what she's doing. But the but the cold reality of it is, there is no legal aspect of what she's doing. So what is she talking about? What is that? And it is a little bit scary. I, like I'm not buying. Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I've told people, don't worry. Like, I've told lots of people, like, what's going on? Like, Brian has talked to a lot of our friends. One of the places that we park weekly is, like, a coffee shop slash tattoo parlor. And, like, I'm not a big cop person. I, I, you know, for a long time, we would uh, <laughs> pull up to this place with an A-cab sticker in the window, which they have, uh, the cops that go to the shop have approached us about. We've had some friendly conversation but the guy who owns the shop he's like just so you know i know this isn't your guys style but there's a lot of cops in the city that get tattooed here so if you need anything we'll have like 12 cops here at a gif and i'm like i appreciate the kindness behind what you're expressing to me um and thank you he's like i hope she calls i i love my dad said the same thing he's like why did she gotta call your other parent why couldn't she have called me and i'm like (laughs) just the way the universe wanted it daddy i don't know what to tell you He's like, I'd tell her, you know, like I'd tell her all about what was your, what your mother's deal is. But I'm like, no, no, there's been enough carnage and family dirty laundry or perceived dirty laundry or lies that have been there. Like, we don't need to go there. We don't need to do that. But my dad is scrappy and he's, he's not happy either. Allie, God isn't the only mad dad involved in this. You're, you're dealing with other people's children as well. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Serious. And I'm not saying that's a flex, but like, come on, you're not, she's like, for saying how much we dehumanize her, she is truly dehumanized all of us. Like, we're mm-hmm. not people to her. And, like, to her being dehumanized, and she said the same thing to my mom. And my mom was like, Allie, I'm actively expressing empathy. Now, my mom doesn't mean anything she's saying to her, but she's saying, oh, wow, I'm sorry for your troubles. Yeah, she didn't, <laughs> like, didn't say anything wrong. And it was weird that Allie then brought up again that thing about empathy. And she was like, Carrie Ann said she had no empathy. No, you interrupted Carrie Ann. That will never not bother me. Because she's bringing it up like months later but, and just lying about what you said because she wouldn't listen. She she like was grasping onto any possible straw she could for how she could use something against you. And all that you could possibly give her was that she interrupted you halfway through a sentence. 
ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He was like, wait, let me stop for my soundbite. Don't get too, don't, don't humanize yourself too much, Carrie Ann. That so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, that was funny. She's been a whole experience. And I think like, I think that she thinks that because I asserted my rights to protect myself, um, that that's, I guess, not having empathy for her. I thought long and hard about what I was doing. I made a pro-con list as I want to do. And uh, I, it came out against her. Like the, the pros were mm-hmm. with the buying of the trademark. And the, the, I, it doesn't mean I don't have empathy. It just means I'm not going to be sucked into your bullshit. And it is bullshit. It's a whole production. And I, that's, that's what engaged me in the first place. I saw what she was doing and I saw the tactics, the abuser playbook that was playing out. And I was like, mm, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about it. I want people to see this in a woman. Because it's interesting that she's so dominant and aggressive. She's mimicking a man's abuse, but she's doing it in a woman's body. And this is a learning opportunity. And I don't know. It's just, it's been a wild ride. But I, I, it's made me appreciate the people in our community so much more. Like, the strength it's taken to continue on with life when you're just being violated online. And, um, you know, and then, be, and then it's being talked about and amplified in these ridiculous ways where she's now talking about people wanting to R-A-P-E her and grope mm-hmm. her. Things that just have no basis in reality. I think those are all things she wants to do to us. I think she has a weird crush on all of us. I think that she thinks that, and it makes me sad because of the world that we live in, like as an autistic person, like, especially like as a like autistic, like femme presenting person, like it's hard it's hard you know and like I I wish that and I tried to like speak some life into her and to try to like encourage her and just you know give her some some suggestions of maybe what she could do instead of going Mm -hmm. after autistic people with her own internalized uh misogyny and internalized ableism and internalized fat phobia she's all of those things she claims Mm -hmm. some identities and she's hurting people who also have those identities and it's just like, come on, like, we don't need to be hurting each other like this. But you, you know, for me, the trademarks were an act of harm reduction. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how I still feel about it, all things told. And for her, like, she's got a lot to work through. I, I think that she's, she thinks that this is how people get things done. And it, it's not. I think on, on the topic of the weird crash. Yes. I totally agree. She projects that onto all of us. I'm pretty sure all of us in a weird, a weird way. Uh-huh. But to hear her talk about, which this was not true, by the way, but to hear her talk about how we were in some kind of like platonic life partnership and what? I'm in love with her and I broke her heart. Like, it's not true. <laughs> We had a brief conversation about the concept of platonic life partnership and how that idea appealed to me in general, not in partnership with her. But the way she would talk about it to try to like garner sympathy, I could see the maybe twinge of like actual pain that the concept of having a life partner, because I mean, how nature works, we eventually outlive our parents. And I know for some of us people that are disabled and live with the parent I live with my mom she lives with both of her parents we outlive her parents at least that's how it should go right and like eventually she's not gonna have them so I know deep down she she probably wants love she probably wants partnership she probably struggles 
act, being in actual relationship with men. And sure. I can tell that she wants yes. partnership and love and romance and, and community and support that that's not like mom and dad support. So the projection of like, oh, we're all secretly obsessed in love with her. Like, mm, I think it's actually kind of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I think even the way she spoke about Brian, like, I could tell. And I and I do feel for her. Like, it's a sad situation. And I, and I don't feel, like, g- glad. I, I know I did what I had to do, but I don't feel, like, glad to have taken something from her. That hurts, you know, to see somebody in pain and not know what to do with that pain, which is why I gave her the resources that I gave her. And she was so insulted by that. And I'm like, wow, your worldview is so different from mine. Because, like, for me, like, I know sometimes I don't have the spoons to look things up. So my partner will look things up for me. I was doing an act of love for you there. I wasn't, like, diminishing you. I was trying to help you. And I think, like, when it comes to Brian, like, she thought she started a hashtag for a while that said, save Brian from Kyrie. She tried to, like, start a hashtag, I believe, as a retaliation to Roxy's hashtag of deplatform, ASAC. And, like, she's taken a lot of our moves and has mimicked them in a lot of ways. And I think that's out of admiration. I think that we stood up to her. And I think some part of her subconscious appreciates running up against a wall I look at her like I look at her kind of like I look at my children like and I'm not trying to be like mean about that but I've just noticed a lot of similarities with the way that they move through the world like children can be a little I I wouldn't call them narcissistic but they behave like that they think the world revolves around them they don't know what to do with no's they want what they want they keep trying and there's a part of them that needs to be told no because they need to feel safe they need to feel like okay like I'm not Mm -hmm. ruling the roost here like I have adults at the wheel and I can melt down and say whatever I got to do. And I'm still going to have love and safety. And I'm, I, it's the no is going to be the no. And the yes is going to be the yes. I see that same test. Well, a kid's world is small and Allie's right. world is small. So of course she thinks it revolves around her because her world is small. Like a kid's world is small. And she still has the same dynamic in that she lives with her parents and they, you know, she, she's not really working on, anything but this like channel and I just don't think I think she's very detached and untethered from a lot of the realities and responsibilities of like adulthood and it's funny like she she's just I think she's just very lost and I and I don't relish that for her I hope that I think there's a place for everybody even people I don't like and I hope she finds a place that will care for her and also hold her accountable because this is not the way to treat people who ultimately you should be asking for help or advice. I feel like, uh, Roxy, you're amazing. Jane, you're amazing. Like, we're all autistic people who have been able to kind of beat a lot of odds, I feel, and uh, create support and create, like, a sustainable care regimen and, like, all these things. Like, I I wouldn't be doing that if I were her. But I think, like, she just doesn't know how to be vulnerable and she doesn't know how to connect. And she's just out here creating these messes because vulnerability and feminine dynamics, even the things she posts for inspiration are incredibly masculine. Like they're all like, and that's okay, but it's just something I noticed. Like, you know, I don't think she knows what to do with feminine connection or feminine things. I think that those things have been debased in her house and devalued. And she thinks that that's weak. And 
just based on what I've seen. I, I, I don't know her. I don't know her, but I, I've watched a lot of her just stream of consciousness. And that's kind of what I've gathered. She wants to dominate all of us. Yeah. Like it's like an obsession with abusive masculine energy. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's not healthy masculine either. It's, right. it's a really, really unhealthy expression of the masculine that is also like overpowering. I should say that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be like, say like one is better than the other. I just think that like, oh no, it's yeah, distorted. it's distorted. I don't think she knows what to do with like any kind of like connection that isn't rooted in those and like her style of like moving through the world. Yeah. And I think that then does become like, who are the people that most get under her skin are people that do possibly have that figured out better. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm sad for her. And I hope that I think that once she realized she couldn't call us anymore, like that was a win. Like I, I was so, cause it took, that took some time. Like, first of all, like we filled out all of our PPO paperwork and it was rejected because nobody knew what to do with the situation because it was out of state and with somebody that we had never met before. They know what to do when a boyfriend won't leave you alone. They know what to do when like, you know, like someone's like stalking you and pulling up to your house. But when somebody is like online monitoring you through others like even jay i remember with like the whole like jury duty thing mm -hmm. and one of our followers saw you out in the wild and i had heard people be like oh that's not gang stalking i'm like that is exactly what gang stalking is yeah. watching somebody live their life i'm reporting back to a person that's like an enemy like that is serious and i'm not going to trivialize that and I, like so like, i would describe these things and they would agree the police would agree but then they would be like but you know, she's in a different state or this isn't our problem. Like, so like, even like though we reported it constantly, like it, it took a long time to meet the threshold, the legal threshold for like any kind of protection or even any kind of a, a wrist slap to happen. And, um, you know, now, you know, we had Bridget draft a letter to describe the situation better to the judges in our area to hopefully get a formal PPO granted. Um, but it's a process, you know, it's not something that happens quickly because it is an out of the ordinary situation. And, um, you know, I don't have my whole life to just put on hold and, and pursue this full time. I have to take breaks and I have to, you know, raise my kids and, and do my work and then come back and, and work on this a little bit. So it's taking some time, but it's still something that's happening or that at least we're pursuing. But yeah, like by having the Erie Police Department say, stop calling, we were thrilled and relieved. and. Um, I hope that she just leaves us alone at this point. I'm not, nothing she does to me is going to change my mind. Let me just say that. Like I will never come to the point where I give these very expensive trademarks of her handles over to her. I told her what the situation was. I said, stop harassing people. I'll put them in a trust and you can have them and you can lease them. And every month that you are not harassing and stalking and calling people's parents and causing harm and pain in people's lives you can use do the whatever do whatever you want i don't care and she looks at that as that that like boundary as control and like i don't want to control her like i don't care just leave people alone and so i don't know i just think like i i've been through some times in my life where i haven't been my highest self and i i'm willing to let her move on from this and like build i don't care we all make mistakes, but you're not going to like harass me into like changing my mind about something that I'm very principled about. Like, it's just, you couldn't pick a worse group to try that with. So I just like autistic people <laughs> are not going to like be easily swayed if they don't deeply believe in it. And I just don't believe in her having those back. So yeah, 
I don't know. I think that it was, I think that it was a really, really good thing that they did tell her to stop harassing you. And it sounds like they, that she did. Is that right? She just hasn't, she hasn't contacted you or your family since as far as you know. No, she hasn't that I've seen. I, I've had a lot of weird spoof calls and because of like the peripheral people involved, it's really hard to know what is from Allie and what is Allie directed. I've still had a lot of weird calls and weird texts. And, you know, she had she had called me from several, several numbers and the same for Brian. So I, I, I'm not saying she's never going to call. I think she's holding her breath for something legal to come out, uh, uh, like for her to have a point to like pursue Maybe she's like in talks with lawyers. It's kind of what it sounded like, but I don't anticipate her coming away with anything. And then I think if she's going to come back, she's going to come back and she's going to harass us on YouTube again. But I hope not. And, um, you know, I'm not making any content about her other than like this pod to like process what has happened and to like wrap the situation up because it's played out in the public eye. And uh, she thought it was weird that we were interviewing each other and like that you guys had created this podcast that is doing well. You have a lot of downloads. It's growing. It's a new venture. Like when I opened my food truck, I didn't have a line out the door. Like it takes time to build something. And I think you guys have created something incredible with a traumatic experience. And I think she's threatened by that. I think that your ability to like, that just like solve problems is something that she's very intimidated by. And I think that the fact I haven't talked about this all over the internet and I've only done it on the podcast in this one setting is like, she thinks that's a joke, but that's by design. I don't want this taking over my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's been saying docs is dead from like, even before we even launched, (laughs) she's been saying that, which is such a stupid projection. But I, I wanted to say about earlier um, about the cops having told her to leave you alone. It was weird watching her turn that into a win for her. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. Like the cops told her, obviously, they tell you to stop doing something when you're doing something wrong. But somehow she flipped that into like, the cops love me. <laughs> like, no, that's not what that means. No. And I know as an autistic person, it's hard for me to sometimes read social cues. Like sometimes I'm like, wow, that person really, really likes me. And then I find out they're like, oh, she's annoying. I'm like, oh, missed it. <laughs> Didn't get that. So I try to like not. But like, I, I agree. It was interesting to see just to watch it all play out because like it's like when I spoke with the police, they were exhausted by her. And it's not because I was like, you know, I, I was reporting, but I wasn't keeping them on the line long. I certainly didn't report or send in all the content she was making about me. It was just like pertinent threats that they had asked for me to submit. And they they did not treat me like I was tying up resources. They were grateful and like willing to investigate the case. And um, the officer I was talking to was very um, like was sad to give me the news that he gave me what saying like, okay, well, like, this is all I can do is I can call her right now. Um, but there are other things that are happening and I'm not going to go into what those are because it doesn't, it's, it, I, I've learned a lot about the legal process, like through this experience. And it's just, you have to be patient and you have to just like trust in the system and hope that things are going to work out. Now it's a broken system and it's a system that does a lot of really horrible, dangerous things so with that in mind but I think for the situation like I just have to hope that it will all work out the way it's supposed to thank you for listening find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com